0: Hello and welcome to episode number 44 of the WP Café Show with me, Keith Devon. And with me, Mark Wilkinson. Welcome everybody. How, uh, how's your week been, Keith? I know you've been away, haven't you? So It's been good. Uh, it's Yeah, I was away in France um, with my nice. family for my dad's 40th. So we just popped across the English Channel. Actually, under we went under the English Channel on the tunnel uh I just drove like for half an hour down the coast and just yeah stayed in a place called Boulogne-sur-Mer and had a really nice few days um very very pleasant and it feels like after that and my wife's 40th um two kind of big things off my plate now that were kind of stressing me out a little bit in terms of organizing and just yeah so it's nice nice that those are off my plate you you know so how about you good
1: yeah it's a, a lonely week uh Getting stuff done, which is good. Uh, lots of stuff happening with our product job relay, launching kind of another uh, side on to it, if you like. which yeah. like, uh, Hopefully, it's going to go well. We'll see. Um. So setting up yep. the website for that and the products, obviously, which is still kind of being developed, but um, still work to do on that. That was interesting. And then, uh, yeah, just dealing with this, dealing with that, as you do. But yeah, nothing particularly exciting in terms of, yep. uh, in terms of work. So today then, um, hello everyone, welcome if you're watching along with us live on YouTube and we're actually also on Twitter I believe, um, if you follow so. the WP Cafe show on Twitter, I assume you get this in your timeline and it says hey we've gone live and here's the video but I, I don't actually know, <laughs> which is interesting, but um, so if, if you are on Twitter, then hello. Um, if you want to let us know you're watching and tell us uh, where you're from, that'd be great. And if you've got any questions for us, as always, we love taking questions. In fact, today's episode is kind of based off of a question that we had over on, uh, was it on Twitter or was it as a comment on the video? I can't remember. Yeah. Um, but we're going to cover that. So today's topic, we're going to cover um, our, our kind of development process, which was kind of touched on in various episodes, but I think that's what we're going to cover, and that's uh, what's kind of the topic for today. If you haven't already subscribed to the High Rise Digital YouTube channel, then please do so. You'll find a button underneath. Ring the notification bell, and if you like this video, hit the like button, because it really does help out the channel. We are fast approaching 2,000 subscribers. Be nice to get there. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Yeah, right, cool. so today's topic then, Keith.
0: Yeah, uh, so across the about process, so I'll, I'll read the... Yeah, cool. i read the actual question. Uh, so this was from Munch92. So Munch92, if you are... I guess that's Munich or something. Munch? Munch? I don't know. Anyway, yeah. Um, yeah. If, uh, if you're uh, watching along today, just let us know you're here. That'd be great. Uh, but they say, uh, regarding topics, I know the block editor is the unavoidable beast at the moment, but it would actually... Uh, be really good to go through your process as an agency. Do you guys have themes you use and tailored to clients or do you start from scratch every time? He's got another kind of couple of bits that he bolted on the end of that question. But well, I think that that first bit is what we'll, what we'll focus on um, to start with. So do we have a process or like, assume we do have a process. Uh, what is it? Does it work? Um, we don't have anything that's like strictly... Documented. We we tried, didn't we, when especially a few years ago, like pre pre-pandemic, um, when we were like trying to grow high-rise digital yeah. a little, little bit. Um we were tr- yeah, we were trying to like take on some extra people and like all these things about like processes and what do they call them? Uh SAPs. What's that stand for? I can't remember. But ba- basically little mini processes of how to do X, how to do Y. We were trying to like collect all that in a kind of hub and we had like some documentation. It all got a bit onerous and a bit um, unwieldy and it didn't feel like for such a small team that stuff was really yeah. particularly worthwhile. So I hate to say it, but I, I guess to some extent we sort of wing it each time. And I think that's <laughs> almost almost part of the advantage of being such a small team is that you don't, I don't know if I even want to say that because I think processes are, are very, very useful even for one-person teams. But I think the fact that we can kind of be agile uh, and kind of tailor each project process to the project itself um, is a strength. Um, and, and because, you know, something like full-site editing comes along and it instantly completely changes any process that you had, if you're going to try to go down that route, um, so all that to say, we don't have a process that's like set in stone, but I guess we have like some basic steps that we take whenever a new project comes in.
1: Yeah, so I think the first step is, and it depends what sort of project is, but the first step is creating the Trello board, which is what we use to project manage the the project, and we have like a boilerplate from that that we just copy yep. across. We actually ask the client to set the board up. We don't actually set it up ourselves, so they own the board. Um, So they actually use their account to set the board up, and then they invite us to that board, and then we build the board using our boilerplate. So that gets set up first. Then it's usually I create a repository in GitHub, um, set it as private, and our repository basically just contains any of the custom code in WP content that we want to, to use. So usually that's a theme and usually that's a custom plugin of some sort. Maybe, maybe more than one plugin, but certainly a sort of like a utilities plugin where we add code that is non-theme specific that's doing stuff so registering taxonomies, registering post types, other other stuff like that. And they're, they're kind of the only things that we version control. And then we'll both try, pull that down, set up a local site with WordPress and then kind of start working from there. and um, that's the plan, and we hook the repo up with some sort of server. It depends, again, what the client and what the project is. If it's on our server, then we use spin up WP, which kind of has the push to deploy method. So we can just hook up that. If it's with someone else's server, we tend to use deploy HQ, which allows you to sort of use SFTP to sort of push the changes from a Git repository to a server. So that works quite well. Um, and then we just go away and build it. And then that's it. All
0: done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, funny, it's funny, like, listening to you say all that. Because I was like, we don't have, really have a process. Then you just listed a bunch of things. But it's because that's the stuff that you do on every project. Like, that I don't. Yeah. It just for me, it just happens magically. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because that's it's, like, stuff that you you don't really take care of. So, yeah, that's a good point. I also have my head more in the kind of, like, doing, like, the development side of the process. But I guess, like, there's processes all the way through yeah, and like you know, whatever you know there's marketing pro potentially marketing yeah. processes and whenever like people first make contact that kind of sales process and then there's the yeah like the setup process like you said we also have like a project start form which is like right right at the start yeah. of, of the yeah. whole process so we've got yeah. a page in our website with a very specific form it's not like a general get in touch form but it's asking for uh things like kind of billing details and you know so I guess invoicing details um so everything we need from a client to get them set up on our accounting software and all that kind of stuff so that's that's one of the very first pieces um and then yeah we go through from there so so once once you set up the the environment like that mark i guess that comes back to the stuff i guess i was thinking of which was we're actually about to start work like what does that look like and i guess in an ideal project that starts with the project discovery phase, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, that's a good point. If that for going through that that part of it, so that's a series of calls with the client to build a spec, basically of what we're doing. Um, that's paid for cons- consultancy, if you like. That's part of the project mm-hmm. as as, a, as an item, a line item, almost in the project. And that from that, a document is produced which is linked to on the Trello board. Like this is the bible of what we're building. Um, so we always refer back to that document yeah and that document has a version like saved as original document and sometimes we might change the document based on further conversations with the client you know they might dis- might decide 2 weeks into the project that this bit isn't quite going what, what they won't want to change it and we'll quote them on that change the master document so it's already and so forth and then once we're from there, and again, this depends on the project, but let's say that we were working with a, a team that's got designs, so they've already designed their site. What I will tend to do, or Keith tends to do, is basically create a card for each thing that we're going to build. Like in old mm-hmm. school, it would be page templates. You know, we're going to uh, create a little screenshot of the of the about us template, and then put that on a card, and then that's a task then to build that template. There'll be in old school, again, there'd be back-end tasks for me to do, add fields in the admin, et cetera, et cetera, and then that will be passed across to key to finish off the front end. Nowadays, I don't really get involved in much of that, to be honest. Um, it's a block, yeah. and it needs styling. Um, that's kind of what, what happens. There might be bits and bobs that I need to do, but essentially that's that. If there's custom blocks to build, which increasingly there isn't, to be honest, in the lots, yeah. lots of projects we do, um then we get those i i would get those built up and, and working passed across again to keith to to style and that's what we use trello for they really. just passing cards between each other putting front-end back-end mm-hmm. labels on them uh using that to communicate and discuss those tasks so that the discussion is all in one place um
0: yeah
1: and that's yeah that's kind of the flow of it, how we work it isn't it
0: yeah yeah mm. and then like i guess you know, we loop the client in, obviously, regularly. So we set up weekly calls with, with our clients, yeah, um, point. which which I feel really, really helps keep that process smooth. I think, you know, anyone that's been doing this kind of work for more than about a year would know that you don't want to kind of just go away for four months, uh, disappear off, build, build something and then like present it in a big kind of ta-da kind of moment. Um, uh, we find that regular check-ins with clients keeps the client accountable because you know, more often than not, they've got quite a lot of work to do uh, during a project like this, um, and it keeps us accountable because we know we need to show you know some decent progress every week. So we can't let things slide. They can't let things slide. It just keeps you know problems problems get tackled early, um, solutions get found to things collaboratively. Uh, it just keeps the whole thing uh, running up much much more smoothly. I wouldn't don't think I'd want to have regular calls too much more frequently than that. I th- feel like no. that's quite a nice cadence because it just means yeah. you have a chat, then you can crack on with work. You're not just constantly talking about things. You're actually doing things as well. And I think I think that really helps to, with Nothing. focus.
1: You can decide like with your client what is a reasonable um, time scale for a call. Co- Once a week works really well, I think, for actually a lot of projects. But yeah. it might be that it doesn't work for your project. But having a time where you check in with the client, you know every two weeks or every week or whatever it's going to be, I think it's really good because you don't want to get to that point you know where you you get a week later and you haven't really done much and then but having that call gives you that accountability. It's like mm-hmm. I've got the call on Tuesday, I've got to make sure I've made some progress or I've got to have done this by then because you know that's that's I think that's really really useful. And in terms of like what those calls look like for us, it is essentially what we call Trello gardening. So it's taking the tasks that are in review, as in they've been done and they need reviewing, and then reviewing those clients, the client. If they've got feedback on them, adding that feedback to the card, if the client hasn't already done that, of course. Moving them back into the in-progress into the in or the backlog column or moving them to done. And yeah. then it's about deciding what the priorities are for the come, coming week, and then those cards get moved into the... Uh, next priorities list and so forth. Um, So that's kind of how those calls make up. And then obviously once we've done all that, there's then a bit of like general chat about the project and whatever anyone else wants to say sort of thing. But it is good to have a structure for those calls. Don't just have a call where you jump on and then there's no structure because they just end up wasting time, so much time. Um, Mm -hmm. Have a a structure of what's going to happen. And the Trello board is really great for that structure because it just provides the structure. If you're managing it properly on the Trello the calls laid out on Trello for you. Essentially you just need to talk through it with the client and what's been happening. Yeah. Yeah. Which is really good.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. I mentioned like at the start that I feel like our process is always changing. And I think that, you know, the full site editing and and the block editor and everything, and you mentioned as well, you know, that's changed the amount of involvement, uh, the type of involvement that you, that you especially have uh, in a project. Also, I Definitely. think it's yeah, it's also changed how we go about things from like a design point of view. Um, so for example, pre Gutenberg, I wouldn't really have wanted a design to come in that had any particular constraints or limits. You know, it was like yeah. just design it and we'll and we'll figure out a way to build it. And back then, it was probably using some kind of ACF flexible content. Or, or something like that and we, we just take every element of the site every module and say okay well what's you know can we use a module we've already built or do we need a new module for this but we could pretty much build anything but these days i definitely feel especially when i'm designing that i'm very much got my kind of block mindset on and i don't know i don't know if i necessarily always think that's a good thing it's good in terms of like we can definitely produce things very very quickly because almost yeah. once it's wireframed, that's Done because <laughs> you just yeah. need to add the add the design polish and the branding. Um but I, I I do I do feel like that the full site full site editing and using the block editor, especially the way we we're trying to use it, it's potentially limiting our, our design options a little bit mm-hmm. these days. Uh and I, I want to make sure we just don't fall too deep into that trap of just kind of just churning out very kind of generic, boring looking websites. But yeah, it's just something I'm conscious
1: of. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean? Um, we've got a few questions coming, which is good. So let's um, if you if you want, Keith, let's just go into a, a few of those. Yeah. Um, not a question, but uh, 92 Who posed the original question? Just said that his username is an old Xbox username. Um, a long time ago. Know, nice to know. Yeah. <laughs> um. <clears throat> uh, question from LTS. There, I'll come to that one at the end because it's kind of different. So I'll I'll yeah, come back yeah. to that one. Um. Craig says, "Sorry, I'm to do you typically work with one client at a time, one project build, or do you have a few running at different stages? Uh, great question. We have a few running at different, well, not necessarily at different stages, right. actually, uh, but we have a few running at the same time. Um, how many have we got at the moment? We've got one, two, three, <laughs> four. We've got four at the moment. Two of those are really small, though. And one yeah. of them is an ongoing sort of maintenance, general tasks client. One of them is a build, so it depends what they are and, and the projects. But yeah, we wouldn't want to, unless it was an absolutely gigantic project, we wouldn't normally just have one project running at the set running at a time. We'd have more than one. So I think we do.
0: Tr- I mean, that. I think in an ideal world, I I would love to work that way. You know, just get your head down in one in one project, maybe two for a bit of variation. Um, mm. but like it things always end up spilling into each other especially from like a maintenance point of view once you've built it you've, you've you know you've got yeah. you've got to maintain it you've always got a lot of work to do afterwards so that way and then your current clients not with not just maintenance but they always have new feature requests and things like that so yeah yep. there's 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 always quite a lot going on although we like to limit the number of like kind of new builds like big projects so that we can give yeah, those definitely. clients like the focus that they kind of need
1: and that's what we tell the clients like big projects for us is not a big project for another agency, probably, but there's just the two of us. And we tell the client, like, you know, if we take this project on and you come and work with us, like you will be our number one priority almost mm-hmm. because you're the biggest project we'll have at the time. Whereas obviously if, you, if they go to a bigger agency, that might not be the case. Um, there's the swings and roundabouts to, to different approaches. Yeah. Um, do you show your Trello board to clients? We tried this once and had some issues on pacing. Um, yes, we do. As I said before, I think I said this, we actually asked them to set the Trello board up so they own the Trello board. Um, and it's yeah. theirs, if you like. And they invite us to the board and then we set the board up with our preferred uh, lists and things like that. And, and yes, they they every... Well, as much conversation as possible tends to take place on there. Uh, if, it, if it is a question then it doesn't happen on Trello. It's an email, you know, and that might turn mm. into a task, in which case it goes on Trello because it's a task, um, but tends to try and stick to tasks on Trello loosely. There's some things that end up on there that need to be on there that aren't tasks. So essentially, uh, a task is what we have on Trello and a card then moves through the system as a, as a task. That's that's kind of the plan, essentially. I wonder,
0: I wonder what the pacing issues that they were referring mm. to there are. <clears throat> uh, like, from our point of view, I think... It very much depends on the client. Some clients get Trello, they like they like it. They you know, they like working within it. Others, you know, I don't know what happens, but presumably they've got an inbox full of Trello notifications that they never really like deal with. And yeah, you're you, ask, you're constantly asking questions and never getting any answers. And, it, and but, it's those week weekly calls that let you catch up on those. Um, so maybe part that's, of your
1: if you're gonna use Trello and actually, it doesn't no matter what you use, whether it's Trello or some other system that I can't think <laughs> of the name of. Um, it's your it's your responsibility to make that known to the client. So when clients come to take on with us, they know we're going to use Trello as a project management tool. Most of them actually just say, "Oh yeah, I've used that before; it's really good." Yeah. Some some don't know it, but then it's it's your responsibility to make sure they understand that. Like, you've got to use Trello. So we, we I get people emailing me sometimes and I'm my answer to them is, can you please put that on the Trello card? Yeah. Rather than answering the question by the email, because you need to have everything happening in one place. And by just doing what the client wants, as in they want to send an email and they don't want to use your process, doesn't solve the problem. You need to, it sounds awful, but you need to force them to use the process mm. because that's what gets the best results which is why they've hired you. So, you know, it's part of the reason why they've hired you. So I think that's pretty important to try and uh, push them down yeah. that route. Yeah. Um, Alex, thank you for joining us, Alex. What kind of feedback would you expect from the client in weekly meetings?
0: I guess it depends what's been happening in the previous week and what kind of cards that you've been putting on Trello. So typically we will have asked asked questions and asked for feedback on Trello cards and then they would have a label uh we have a label kind of awaiting client feedback i think that we that we add yeah. to add to cards so, um or they would go into the for review list um so whenever we're just reviewing the the trello the trello list or project with the client every week we would just be going through those cards and, and dealing with all those so it, it depends um you know sometimes it's asking for design feedback sometimes it's asking for functional feedback sometimes you know it just it depends what stage of the project's yeah. at and what what yeah. cards we've been working on that week
1: and, and most like if it was design feedback or, or well, i've built this module and i've done it and have a look at it and something you, you'd encourage them to obviously give that feedback before the meeting but sometimes you know the comment on the trello card might say, "Oh, I need to chat to you about this. Let's let's talk about this on our weekly call." And then that would be a focus to talk about. Obviously, I think we have a "to discuss" label, don't we? Which we often use, which essentially means these cards need some sort of discussion on the on the weekly call about something. It's you know it's too hard to put into text if you like, or it's just better to have a chat about it face to face. So we we obviously do that as well. But yeah, it does depend on the uh, the sorts of tasks you've got on there and things like that. Yeah. Um. Uh, Sam, where's that one gone? Sure, there we go. How many block settings do you actually use for site builds? For example, do you use font size and line heights with the heading block? We struggle to know where the right place to use CSS is I think this is definitely one for you, Keith. I'm yeah,
0: I'm not. I'm not 100 sure if Sam's talking about what we use theme.json for, or like what are you, or if it's like enabling or disabling. Block settings in the UI, so I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I also that's what you means, I also struggle allowing
1: clients to change those things. I think, but...
0: yeah. So we lock down a lot of that stuff. Um, you know, I don't think a client needs to be worrying about line height. Uh, f- for example, font sizes. I remove the custom font size and just have like a palette of font sizes, like seven to choose from, seven or eight or whatever, depending on their brand guidelines. Uh, we struggle to know where is the right place to use css i i struggle with that too i think i think this whole ecosystem around themes at the minute is is in total flux and it's like a wild west at the minute you know i I don't really know what should be in a theme what should be in theme.json what sh- you know sorry what should be in theme css or theme.json or what we should allow clients to do or lock it down i i think and I think we've mentioned this before. One of the problems is that WordPress is so diverse, and that our use case as an agency is very different to someone like Brian Gardner or Rich Tabor or you know theme developers that you might kind of aspire to and look up to. So you look at yep. you look at their advice and what they're talking about, and you think. Oh they they're doing all this stuff like with with all of the options open and they're saying do everything in in theme json and do everything in the editor but they're not building sites like you are you know yeah. necessarily for for like custom you know custom themes for you know one off one custom one off themes for clients is very different than creating building a theme themes that, for, for the team to take advantage
1: of all this stuff, like literally, yeah. that's what they're trying to do. Like, build all of this stuff into it as, as much as they can. Yeah, you know, almost allow the client or the person using the theme to set all these things because that's the features that are available. So, that's what we're going to allow them to do, which is great, you know, but yeah. that's not what we do, and probably, probably not what you do. I don't think we'll see. Yeah,
0: exactly.
1: Um, Janice. Thank you, Janice, for joining us. Uh, She says, Sam, there is an excellent recent session on just this CSS query by Nick Diego on WordPress TV. There is actually a lot of um, good sessions on the learn.wordpress.org, I think it is, where you can book on to meet up sessions, which are online Zoom calls like where you can learn stuff. And they all get posted on WordPress.tv as recordings afterwards. Uh, There are some good ones. So definitely worth checking out there. Thank you for pointing that out, Janice. You're right. Um, moving down. I haven't forgotten about LTS's comment at the top, but these are all <laughs> kind of relative to what we're talking about. So I will come back to that one. Uh, Derek, as for the build, in a world of blocks giving clients more control, how do you ensure the design is adhered to? Uh, and then he puts in brackets, remove blocks, override CSE, removing blocks, CSS, theme Json block blocking, etc., etc. Yeah. cetera. Um, so how do we ensure the design is adhered to,
0: Keith? What do we do? There's... The, kind of deserves a show all to of itself. yeah we we've i think we've spoken about this probably a little bit before so i'll probably be covering a bit of old ground but uh yeah i disable a lot of stuff in theme jason really um like i said you know i don't have custom i usually don't even have custom colors so there's like a color palette to choose from and it's branded and that's what you get um there's a foot like like I said, seven or eight font sizes to choose from, and that's what you get. Uh, we haven't enabled the dimensions controls yet, so no custom padding or margins. We've in the, previously. I don't know if we still do this. I think we probably do. Remove the spacer block, spacing block. I don't really want people using that if it's uh, can be avoided. Uh, so yeah, just take away any of the things that I think a content author doesn't really need. You know, just like to keep things as branded as possible, take away any of those empty boxes that you can just put anything you want in. Just Get rid of them. Just, just outline again for me as well um, the spacing block. Why is that so bad? It might have, it might have improved, but what what I was finding, well, to start with, I think this might have improved, but it wasn't responsive at all. So okay. you'd throw in like a hundred pixel spacer and it would look great on desktop and then on mobile, you just have these ghastly massive pixels. spaces between yep. things. So that was, that was my first issue with it. And then after that, I found that if I think we did enable it on a site or there's a client who really, really wanted to use it. Uh, and then you let them, you let them use it and they, they start solving problems with spacer blocks. So, uh, so say my CSS hadn't accounted for how this block looks next to this other block. So they'd throw a spacer block in and then I'd fix the problem. And now there'd be the the spacing (laughs) that I added plus a massive spacer block. And then how do you go, how do you fix that? Because you know, you've got everything in content in the content of the post rather than in a in code. So I can't then go and kind of fix all those. So, I, it, in my opinion, themes should shouldn't need things like spacer blocks. Really, I and this is my whole problem with where the block editor is going. I feel like it puts way too much onus on content editors to be good designers. Whereas I want them to be able to say, I want to, I want to use this module, stick your content in, looks good. I'll use another module, stick your content in, it looks good. I'm not worrying about. Font sizes, spacing, layout, colors—you know—it's all sort of taken care of, and you've got you've got some broad control over that stuff, but not like fine grained. You can destroy things. Yeah. Control. And Derek mentioned in his comment there about block locking.
1: This is something we haven't done an awful lot with, but we we had a look at it the other the other day, which um, is useful. Weirdly, there was no. So the, what we were doing is. Uh, this was an article actually on Rich Tabor's site about patterns where you can lock the pattern and only allow the client to change the content. So the pattern is locked and the settings are locked as well, which is important. But you can go in and change the text and the image and the video and et cetera, et cetera. So that's definitely worth something to look into and something we'll be looking into as well for the different things. So it's kind of getting back to what Keith just said. It's the all the client has to worry about is change that for your heading put the paragraph text in there, put the correct image in there. And that's, that's kind of the perfect scenario, really, isn't it? That the deviant doesn't have to worry about the design. That's what we do. All you do is put your content in because that's what you want to be able to change, which is perfect. So it's something to look into, definitely, for sure. Yeah. Um, Steve says, block editor functionality is like hiring a plumber, and that plumber leaving you with lots of sections of well-designed pipes, but then it's still up to you to put it all together. I like that analogy. It's quite
0: funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah,
1: but yeah. I wonder if the block editor gives you the instructions to put the pipes together, or not? Or do you just left your own devices to put them together? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. But it's it's, it's I, I get the point for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, right, let me go back to that comment that I said I would come back to, and it's this one from LTS that says, "Why is the WordPress Marketplace having used SVN instead of Git until now?" Um. I don't know the answer to this. Uh, I suspect it was because when WordPress was set up back in 2003, I think it was, um, like, did Git exist? Was it like a big thing back then? I'm not really sure. So obviously they decided to pick a version-controlled system, went with SVN, Mm -hmm. and I guess right now it is pretty difficult to sort of move and change, you know, to keep all that history and things like that. If you're interested, the WordPress project is on GitHub uh, and I believe that it is synced every 15 minutes, I think, from the SVN, the sort of like the source of truth, SVN. (laughs) I think it's synced from there, but someone can probably correct me on that. So if you do want to use GitHub to sort of look at WordPress and things, then you can do on GitHub to do it that way using Git. And I There was talk at one point of being able to do like pull requests for tickets and things. I don't know whether that's actually happened or whether that's dead in the water. Yeah, I'm not sure.
0: This is this is outside of my area of expertise. But isn't isn't the Gutenberg project kind of GitHub first? Like get first? I think I'm not sure.
1: Uh, I believe the plugin is yes. That's all happening on on uh, on GitHub itself. Yeah. Uh, Craig yeah. says Git was released in 2005. So that, that would be the reason, I guess, that it wasn't actually around when WordPress started. So, uh, But it is frustrating. I think everyone gets a little frustrated with that, But it's SVN. I know I do yeah. when I update some of our plugins that are on WordPress.org, and I've got to remember how to use SVN again. Every time, straight to the same page on the developer docs, how do I do a commit in SVN? <laughs> or I yeah. press the little arrow in my terminal and hope that it's there the last time I can meet one. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I wish I knew what I was doing anyway well, let's yeah.
0: call it a day it's been we've gone over over time today this is you know topics that we could talk endlessly about i think um thanks for all the the comments and questions um from our live viewers if you want to if you're listening on the podcast uh thanks for listening you can catch us live on youtube like mark said find us uh, over at youtube slash high rise digital and where else are we mark I think podcast we're on twitter like you said but i don't know if anyone on Twitter. Watches us on twitter.
1: At WB yeah. Cafe Show, you can follow us on there. You'll get updated when we're going live yeah. and so forth
0: as well. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, thanks for all the positive comments as well. Recently, like it, it really, yeah, really, brilliant. really means a lot. Um, it, it helps us helps us stay motivated uh, to to do these. So I'm glad glad you're enjoying them. Uh, I don't think we've got a topic for next time, but we've got loads and loads of potential topics on a massive list. So we'll pick something interesting, and we'll see you next Friday. See you soon. Bye bye.